Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. You're listening to Healthcare Matters, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. As always, joining us is Dr. Robert Popovian from Washington, D.C. He's a pharmacist, economist, and the chief science policy officer at the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And joining me is my good friend, Connor Mertens. Happy New Year, Connor. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Connor is my co-host and our numero uno patient advocate and community outreach manager at the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And thank you for tuning in and listening. We're eager to start this new year with you all, and there's a lot to discuss in 2023. We find ourselves starting the new year in the midst of a triple-demic, which I think you know a little bit about, Robert. And uh, we have a new Congress, a lot, a lot to discuss. Yes, lots to discuss. And my household was inflicted by the triple pandemic during the holidays. We came down with RSV, flu, and COVID. Bunch of overachievers at the Popovian house, huh? That's right, that's right. We wanted to make sure we completely covered the entire pandemic as it existed. So we have a special episode today, Connor. We're going to talk about specifically a report that came out this morning. It's a collaborative report between IQVIA Data Sciences and Global Healthy Living Foundation. And to my recollection, this is probably the first time IQVIA has partnered up with a patient advocacy group to put out a report such as this. And in that report, one number stands out. So when I say 90% to you, Connor, what does that represent? I mean, I would probably say 90% is the amount of college Football fans that fell asleep during that national championship game. That's a very good guess, actually. And it's definitely not the winning percentage of Russell Wilson. But no, the 90% is that 90% of the U.S. population lives within five mile radius of a retail pharmacy. And that's an important issue that we're going to be discussing today and where we're going to concentrate on the findings from the report. So it sounds like today we're going to be digging into this report put out by IQVIA, and you might have to remind us who that is, and and Global Healthy Living Foundation, which is where we work. But it sounds like we're going to be digging into pharmacies and their impact on community and health in general. Can you kind of just give us a brief overview of who this partner is that we're releasing this report with? So IQVIA Data Sciences is probably the number one data sciences company in the healthcare field, not just pharmaceuticals, but in healthcare. They uh, have been around around for a very long time. And myself, a lot of the health policy researchers, health economics researchers use their data to do a lot of our analysis and talk about trends in healthcare and healthcare utilization, healthcare pricing, healthcare costs. And I have to say, I'm always indebted to them because they do have a lot of data and they were very gracious in being able to partner with us and share some of this data with us. And we conducted the analysis in partnership with them. So before we do dive in and start dissecting kind of what the results are. What's kind of the premise of this? Why did this partnership come about for this study? That's a great question. So the partnership came about because last year, GHLF independently through a grant through ADPC, which is American Disease Prevention Coalition, was able to do a study that was published in the American Journal of Pharmacy. And in that report, in that study, what we analyzed is the access to pharmacies versus physician offices in low-income communities. We wanted to investigate Do patients who live in poor communities, do they have better access to pharmacies or to physician offices regarding immunization? 
And what we found was, and we've covered this information in our previous podcast, is that without a doubt and overwhelmingly, patients who are poor and live in poor neighborhoods have far better access to pharmacies than to physician offices when it comes to getting their vaccines, especially the adult patients and senior patients. And so what are the results of this follow-up study? What are those telling us? So what we wanted to do is the next iteration of that was to really look at what the trends have been since the pandemic, right? So what has happened over time since the pandemic took place has the behavior of patients regarding vaccination changed? Are they going more to pharmacies? Are they sticking out with physicians? What are the trend utilization of vaccines uh, over time? Have they significantly changed since the pandemic? Uh, You know, for the good or the bad, vaccines have been front and center since 2020, end of 2020, right? When the first vaccines were approved and came into the marketplace or even before that. And what we wanted to do, GHLF and IQVIA wanted to do, look at these trends. And that's what the report is all about, is to look at trend lines of where do adults go to get their vaccines after the pandemic took place? And so what do the results tell us? What does that mean for patients, especially patients in low-income communities? That's a great question. So what the trends tell us is that overwhelmingly adult patients received their vaccines in a pharmacy after the pandemic took place. Now, majority of that reasoning is because after the second quarter of 2021, you know, when we had those universal sites that patients were going and those went away and pharmacy really became the main institution where patients were getting their COVID vaccine, overwhelmingly, what we saw is that a shift in the vaccination site of patients away from what we call non-pharmacy medical centers to pharmacy with regards to immunization. Now, majority of this, again, was driven by the COVID vaccine, but we also saw some trends where there was an increased flu vaccination in the pharmacies in the last two flu cycles, for example. We saw a moderate increase in HPV for adult patients. You know, so what overall the report says is that if you looked at post-pandemic, especially after second quarter of 2021, where vaccines became a front and center, adult patients were getting their vaccine vaccines in a pharmacy. Now, the question is why and how do we maintain this access point? Well, and obviously we understand the importance of adult vaccination and getting those rates up, but what about pediatric patients? What about pediatric vaccinations? Does this report cover anything in that regard? We specifically looked at pediatrics from a flu perspective. And yes, there was some increase in pediatric patients for flu vaccines that patients who were kids were being taken to a pharmacy to receive their flu vaccines. But it was still overwhelmingly that vaccination for pediatric patients was provided in a physician's office or provider's office. Uh, The opposite was the COVID vaccine. For pediatric patients, COVID vaccine was overwhelmingly being provided in a pharmacy. I think another important piece of this is something that we've covered before and an issue that's very important to us as patient advocates around the issue of equity in healthcare. And if we're learning these things about accessibility in lower income communities, what are the implications of that? Can you kind of just elaborate on the findings and parallels to health equity? 
Absolutely. Like we did in the first study that we published last year, which looked at really low-income communities. In this study, we looked at race and ethnicity differences. What was the patterns of utilization of pharmacy as a center for immunization for adults for Latino patients versus Asian patients versus Black patients? And what we saw is that overwhelmingly Asian patients and Latino patients prefer a pharmacy over white patients in receiving their vaccination as adults. And Black Americans is a little bit lower than the white Americans in receiving their vaccine in a pharmacy. So regarding our minority communities, Latinos and Asians prefer going to a pharmacy and have received their vaccination in a pharmacy compared to the white patients. Well, I guess the natural follow-up question then is what are the implications of all those results? The implications is that we all know that minorities, whether they're racial minorities or ethnic minorities, they have a very limited access to healthcare compared to white Americans. And what we see is that two out of the three, the Asians and the Latinos, prefer going to a pharmacy to receive their vaccines. So what it means is that if we want to maintain access for patients who are minorities, we need to ensure that pharmacies, pharmacists, and pharmacy technicians at some point are able to administer all the vaccines that a physician, for example, or a provider can administer in their office. That is critical. In some states, uh, we do a great job of addressing that. In some states, patients can walk into a pharmacy or physician's office and the pharmacist is able to administer the same vaccines to the adult patient as a physician may. But in majority of states, that's not the case. There's restrictions, access restrictions that either a patient has to get a prescription or there's only a certain number of vaccines that the pharmacist may administer to the patient, which really hinders the ability of these communities that really suffer from unequitable access to healthcare to really gain and almost become equals to the white communities who have better access to physician services. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up, Robert, because obviously one of the things we try to dive into here is policy and legislative solutions to these problems. So uh, you kind of touched on it there, but what are the other proposed policy recommendations that GHLF and IQVIA are putting forward in response to this research? So the number one and most important one is obviously that pharmacies, pharmacists and the pharmacy technicians should have the capability of immunizing adults in the same ability that the physician colleagues or or their provider colleagues, other provider colleagues, healthcare professionals may have. So they are able to administer all FDA approved and or ACIP recommended vaccines. So that's the number one. Number two is that we need to improve reimbursement levels for vaccination administration. This is especially important because the reimbursement levels, both for physicians and other providers and pharmacists, is absolutely horrendous when it comes to Medicaid program. And we need to encourage these pharmacists to be able to provide the services and physicians to provide services and make them whole from a monetary standpoint so they're able to provide these vaccines to the patient. So number two is better reimbursement, especially in the Medicaid services. Number three is that we need to make sure that when there is approvals of vaccines by the FDA, that ACIP quickly acts and makes a decision about recommending these vaccines for two reasons. Number one, because most healthcare professionals, including pharmacists and physicians, are not willing to probably provide a vaccine, even though it's FDA approved, which, you know, they should be able to, but they may not want to. And number two is because of reimbursement. A lot of health insurers 
dollars and government programs will not reimburse unless an ACIP recommendation is provided for a vaccine. And the last piece, which is the PrEP Act and all of the declarations that have happened, which have expanded the authority of the pharmacist to immunize patients. We recommend that PrEP Act should be codified into law and made permanent and not only permanent from a federal level, but permanent on the state level, as we've discussed previously, Connor. Practice of pharmacy, practice of medicine, or practice of optometry or dentistry is governed by state law. So a federal law and its declarations is important, and it should be made permanent, but it should be codified into state law because that's who governs the practices of medicine, pharmacy, optometry, so on. Well, as always, Robert, that is thorough, but I'm definitely walking away knowing a little bit more about pharmacies and accessibility issues. And as always, want to make sure you get the last word. But, you know, I'm kind of taken away from this about how the COVID-19 pandemic really led to an increase in the role that pharmacies were going to play in overall health and immunization access and processes. And something that we constantly preach here is making sure that we're meeting patients where they are. And so when we discuss accessibility issues, especially for folks that are in the marginalized communities, then we have to be looking at data like this and meeting those patients, like I said, where they're at. But tell me what you think, Robert, what should we take away? Connor, I couldn't agree more. So the pandemic was horrible. Pandemic continues to be horrible. You know, we still are losing Americans every day to this terrible disease. But certain good things came out of it, which is we learned that there's access problems, but those access problems can be addressed where patients prefer to go get their healthcare services. And one is immunization and patients clearly based on our data shows that patients Patients want to go to a pharmacy to get their immunization, especially adult patients. So one of the things we cannot do is roll back any kind of sort of freedoms and ability for patients to choose during the pandemic. We can't roll those back. As you said, marginalized communities, ethnic communities, racial communities, low-income communities all suffer from access to healthcare. So we need to make access easier, not worse for them. And the data from where we published last year with regards to low-income communities and the data that we're just going to release the report that just came out this morning clearly demonstrate patients prefer and have better access to pharmacies with regards to immunization. So lawmakers, policymakers, if you really want to address the equity issue in healthcare, you need to start looking at pharmacy as a point where patients receive their immunization. And that's the starting point. But immunization is one of the areas that we focused on. One of the last things I would ask our audience to do is read the report. We're going to tag the link to this podcast. We're also going to link last year's study that was published in the Journal of American Pharmacy Association. Please read those studies. They're important pieces of work, and they build into the evidence of how we can address equity, where patients want to get their care, and why is it important for us to be able to, and what are the policy solutions that are important for us to pursue to make our healthcare system more equitable among everyone. Well, as always, thanks for breaking that down for us, Robert. I think that was some very valuable information for our listeners, and I hope that they all go and check out this report. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you might be listening so you never miss an episode. 
And if you have a second, help spread the word by rating our podcast, writing one of those positive reviews and sharing with your friends and family. It'll help more people like you find us. And I want to wish everyone Happy New Year. We're glad that we're back talking to you all. Please send your comments, emails, questions to us. We're very willing to listen to you and address anything that you may have uh, for us. And in fact, send ideas for topics for us to discuss in this podcast. You can reach us via email or send an audio clip if you want to healthcarematters at ghlf.org. And guess what? We may feature you in one of our upcoming episodes. And before you go, make sure to take a listen to some of our other great podcasts on the GHLF network. You can find all of GHLF's podcasts at ghlf.org slash listen. Robert Popovian, my friend, thank you so much. And thank you, Connor. We're very excited to be back and kicking off the new year with our first episode of the year. And we will see you all next time. Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network.